I'm Satya Nelms, and this is Our Mother's Gardens. On this show, we discuss the seeds our mother sowed in us, the ways we have grown, and how we learn to blossom. In this space, Black women that have learned to define success on their own terms share stories of their beginnings, healing, and thriving. Welcome and thank you for being a part of this community of mamas, grandmamas, aunties, sisters, cousins, daughters, and friends. Welcome, Leela, to Our Mother's Gardens. Thank you so much for being on the show and for being willing to to share your journey. How are you doing? I'm good, and thank you for having me. Oh, happy to, and honored to. So can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Okay, my name is Leela Easter-Jones, and I grew up in Tallahassee, Florida. Um, I now live in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, I'm a movement performance artist. I'm a teacher, educator. I am a community organizer and community organizing curator, I like to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm an interdisciplinary artist. Um, I really love living in Philadelphia, <laughs> actually. I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself to be a city girl, mm-hmm. but I'm an artist, so living in an urban environment is definitely a smart idea for that. You can, I guess, after you build your career, you can move to the country and people <laughs> still know who you are. Yeah. But I used to live in the, I used lived in New York for a little while too, and I also lived in Atlanta for a short time. Hmm. Um, and I just find that Philly kind of has the, um, the balance of nature and the natural environment and. Um, also an option to be in the city and mm. to feel that drive and that push um, and that inspiration in, in that way. Gotcha, gotcha. So what what is a mother? When you hear the word mother, what do you think of? Um, I think of somebody who's paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um so that they can be a part of another life, mm. um, a life that they brought into the world, a life that they inherited, a life that they um, chose, you know, different types of lives in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I see, I see a mother as a guide when necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, and an ob- observer and listener at other times. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, someone who needs to be need, needs to be quiet sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even when it feels like you want to say something, or you want to <laughs> you want to interject, or you want to um, make everything right, or fix everything, or whatever the impetus is. You know, we have the impetus to protect. I guess in protecting, I would probably never say be quiet <laughs> unless, unless this contextual situation calls for quiet mm-hmm. but I think when I think of a mother and I, I mean of course I think of I think of all that as love like mm-hmm. the paying attention of to somebody's um, deep soul desires from the moment they're born into adulthood mm-hmm. and trying to help be a facilitator of that kind of courage 
um, and intimacy with self, courage mm. in the world and intimacy with self. And um, yeah, I guess I, those are some of the things that I think of when I think of a mother. Mm. And where do you think that definition comes from? You know, how did you cultivate that idea of what a mother is? I mean, I mean, definitely, you know, from from my parents, from my mother, I, I have to I want to think a little bit about like my father, mm-hmm. you know, fathering and mothering and like what, mm. you know, that. Yeah, I, I'll get back to that. But I think my mother and my grandmother, I mean, my grandmother did really get to be well for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, my cousins and, you know, my other, yeah, they have different experiences. Everybody has a different experience with their grandmother, just like their mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so my experience with my grandmother was somebody who really wanted to facilitate and support me as a, as a dancer and as an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, she was kind of always present for those things. She re- It resonated with her. Mm-hmm. Um so she showed up for those things. I think she also, I remember cleaning up her house and her like paying us little, you know, little amounts of money to <laughs> come over and clean up and um, do things for her. Um, and I also, and I, but I feel like she was, I feel like she was for me, I don't remember her being hovering, you know, or mm-hmm. anything like that, but I remember her being present about like these are the things that you should kind of know how to do i also took piano lessons for a little while with my grandmother Mm. um so i know how to play a few little songs on the piano and that's partially (laughs) because of her Mm. um so yeah and then but my mother's relationship with my grandmother is completely different than my relationship so Mm -hmm. as as i say that i realize so i realize that there is quite a can be quite a difference of experience mm-hmm. um, with people in their way of mothering um, from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. And my mother, my mother is someone who really kind of always pushed you to the edge of the cliff. Like just was all, you know, what took you to the, what do they say? You can, you can walk somebody to the water, but you can't uh-huh. or something like that. <laughs> but yeah, that was my mother. She would always be like, you know, well, I mean, you could probably do that yourself. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, why don't you just go try, you know, I, I, and I think I'm that kind of mother too, mm-hmm. like just trying to instill a certain amount of confidence. Mm-hmm. And I think also I remember her being present when there were moments like when I when like she would let me struggle for a little while, mm-hmm. you know, but she would also be present with me because she knew that. Um, we needed to do things together. Mm. So there was some balance between like, you know, you go ahead and try it and I'll help you if you need it. And and a balance between this is a moment where we're going to be together doing this. Mm. Um, And so I remember that a lot about my mother. Like I remember a lot of independence and a lot of, um, you know, I remember running to a creek that's probably like a half a mile away from the house and just being in the creek and running around. <laughs> like, I remember that kind of life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, with my childhood friend, Valerie, who I don't know where she is now. but um, And I vaguely remember her mother. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I remember having a good amount of freedom 
um, mm-hmm. and a good amount of pushing towards a certain level of independence and courage. Mm-hmm. Um, although my mother was, when it came to relationships, my mother was quite quiet. Like, not mm-hmm. quiet, but she wouldn't, I mean, I really don't remember a lot of conversations with my mom about men. Like, about, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I, I'm, I date men, so. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and about relationships. Um, but I remember my father (laughs) and my father would talk about anything. He would talk about protecting yourself in intimate situations to me. Mm -hmm. He would talk about, uh, he would talk about, you know, valuing myself, never putting myself in a position to where I'm subject to kind of being, um, a victim are depending on somebody else in certain kind of financial ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, which also kind of transferred to emotional ways, you know, I mean, he saw mm-hmm. me when I was hurting. He saw me when I was about to make a heavy, heavy choices with men and, mm-hmm. and young, you know, boys as I was growing up. Um, and he, he really, you know, he really kind of played that role. My mm-hmm. mom, you know, I think my mom was a lot about like, well, let me have a successful situation. Just trying to give somebody some advice. Let me, <laughs> let, me, let me have one, you know? So like, I think, I think my mom was just doing a lot of sorting out how to be in her, in her own relationship. So I mm-hmm. think she chose to kind of let us move through that, you know? Um, yeah. But mm-hmm. I'm sure we must have had some conversations. I just don't remember mm-hmm. them as intensely. So, yeah. I love that idea, you know, that you have shared that you were mothered by your mother, mothered by your grandmother, but also mothered by your father. Um, and given that you had those three distinct experiences of mothering was there one that you leaned into more than another or how did you how did you relate to those different styles of mothering um it's interesting to think about that cuz i think i'm still the same kind of person just mm-hmm. more mature than i was but i think again i was trying to listen to the different things that were coming towards me as guidance mm so I would say, you know, those three people were probably the most influential over in terms of parenting, you know, like mm-hmm. in terms of raising me. And I think I saw them all as very different. And like, I also saw them all as very honest mm-hmm. and like straightforward. Like I never felt like they weren't telling me the truth or not telling me the whole truth. Like, I feel like I feel like they were telling me the truth that they could and the truth of who they are. So I think I paid a lot of attention to who each one of them were Mm -hmm. as, as I listened to them, Mm -hmm. um, you know, or didn't take their advice or whatever I did. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah. And that makes me think about my grandmother as an example. I think they all had very different things to offer. And I think I still move through the world like that. Like Mm -hmm. what, why is this person in my life and what am I here to learn from them? Mm. And what are they here to learn from me? I feel like that's that's how I was. I mean, of course, I wasn't that poignant about it. Like, I didn't, I don't think I recognized it in the way that I recognize it now. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of was doing what 
what my energy did. Mm -hmm. Um, So my grandmother actually used to talk to me about her anxiety and depression. And she really wanted to be a writer, but she Mm -hmm. had five children. She had responsibilities. And she was a beautiful teacher. And she she Mm -hmm. taught school. But I think, you know, it really broke her heart. Um, that she couldn't get that off the ground in the way that she did. And I think part of the reason why I was able to commit to an artistic life and, you know, struggle through the freelance life, which is like just no joke. It's just Mm. so rough. Mm -hmm. And deal with the anxieties that come up and the depression that come up, especially being a Taurus. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm a true Taurus. Like, I like things to be, I like things to be set. I like mm-hmm. I had to teach myself how to not be stable, like how to be grounded in unstable situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to do that in adulthood, like after college. I still even after college, I wasn't I wasn't ready for what was about to happen <laughs> when, I, when I moved to New York. You know, and, and even the way that I moved to New York, I mean, I still I taught school for a year. I taught kindergarten. I saved ten thousand dollars. And then I. Then I moved to New York. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. I didn't. I wasn't going to New York broke. I'm not. I'm, I'm not the starving artist type. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I kind of you know made some sacrifices, and I also had you know my grandfather who allowed me to stay with him, and that's a whole nother mm-hmm. conversation. I mean that the fact that I had that kind of system, mm-hmm. like I was able to live with my grandfather, talk to my grandmother about anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. talk to my father about his childhood, which was pretty intense um, childhood and him to talk to me about, you know, being intimate with people and mm-hmm. lo- taking care of your body, like in a very strict, like stringent way, like not like take care of your body, like, you know, get a massage, like not that kind of take care of your body, but like, <laughs> take care of your person mm-hmm. right um because other people will be taking care of their person and they might do that with you mm. <laughs> they might use you to take care of their person so pay attention to that notion and then my mother really giving me a lot of um independence and I, one thing i remember is being with my mom and she um she used to, my mom sews and i also sew so she mm-hmm. she taught me how to sew um and she made this i remember going to the store getting the fabric it was like the smurfs mm-hmm. it was a, a smurf <laughs> the smurf i don't even know if people don't remember smurfs look up the smurfs <laughs> anyway so the smurfs are the bomb so we had my mom had a i think it was blue and it had smurfs all over it and mm-hmm. she made a little short set and i remember being outside working on my hot dog science project with her and uh, i wish i could find that picture but it was a, you know, you make the little log and then you put mm-hmm. the nails in it and it's a conductor. So you, you hook it up. I forgot how you make it hot, but you make the nails hot mm-hmm. and then you cook the hot dog. <laughs> but those are the kinds of things I remember doing with my mom. Like, mm-hmm. you know, she was, yeah, she was pretty. Yeah. So I would, I would say that I feel to answer that question fully, I feel like I kind of paid attention to what they wanted to offer mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm still the same I'm that same person like mm-hmm. so funny to think about that like with Flyground and with the uh, dance ensemble that I run I feel like I'm always like what is this person bringing into the room like what do mm-hmm. they want to bring into the room and mm-hmm. how can I be a facilitator of that I can't always mm-hmm. but how can I make that a part of my own practice of being the director and being the creator how can I bring in what their creative spirit is into the work. Mm. And was there anything that you felt your spirit needed that you needed 
that, you know, that you weren't getting when you were growing up? Um, I mean, it sounds like you had, you know, such a diverse array of mothering and parenting sources that you were able to get, you know, different things from different people. But is there anything that you felt, you know, this was something that maybe wasn't aligned or something that I needed that wasn't, you know, provided? Hmm. I mean, I think, I think deep, deep conversations about relationships Mm. were not present. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm trying to think about like, how did I, mother myself through that like how Mm -hmm. did I Mm -hmm. you know like where what was where was the moment when I started to feel like oh I might know a little something about being in a relationship like (laughs) like like, when did I because I don't think it was when I was I mean maybe it did start I mean maybe a lot of it was just suffering through just you know what we suffer through as young people trying to be in relationship with other people you know Mm um but I I do have a really good friend who, I mean, more so as an adult that I would talk to about relationships and it was, it was less, those conversations were really important, Mm -hmm. really important conversation. And they still are. Um, But, but what they pushed me towards was this kind of self-reflective thinking about the relationship. It was, Mm -hmm. it became less about how somebody was treating you. Mm -hmm. And again, back to this, how are you treating yourself? But also what, what are you being honest with yourself about what you're contributing? Are you being honest with yourself about what, um, what you really desire or what Mm -hmm. you want right now? Mm -hmm. And And are you being honest about your ability to actually process the person that you're with? Mm -hmm. Like, are you, are you processing the human that you're actually with? You know, like, are you really paying attention to who they are in relationship to you? Mm -hmm. Because, we tend to not, well, I, I shouldn't be so generalizing, but I feel like there's a lot of support for like, yeah, get, yeah, you need to get on out of that. You need to get rid of that. Like all these kind of like those mm-hmm. kind of notions, like, yeah, he ain't doing you, they ain't doing you right. You need like that mm-hmm. comes up faster than like serious processing of relationships and like mm-hmm. how they exist. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think I do. I am sort of conflict. I don't. I don't like conflict. Now, no, who likes conflict? I don't know, some people <laughs> like it. So as I say that, I'm thinking to myself, why? Why is me saying that any different than anybody else? Mm. I guess I'm okay with conflict, though. Mm. Like I'm not. I don't like it, and I wouldn't want to conjure it or create it or mm-hmm. anything like that. But when it comes up, I don't, I'm not the person that has that reaction, like, kill it right now, stop it, mm, you know, although mm-hmm. I used to have a reaction in relationships that if you started to get into arguments, it was over. Mm, <laughs> mm. And, um, so I will say there's something, there's something in there for that, but I would say if there was something missing, um, it was about relationships, it was deep relationships, and I think part of that was because I just think they were still working it out for themselves. Like, I feel like Mm. they were working it out for themselves. You know, you were talking about, you were talking about mothering yourself and the places where you've had to mother yourself. And so I'd like to ask you to talk a little bit more about that, about how do you mother yourself? (laughs) 
think I have a split personality. I, <laughs> I turn into multiple people. <laughs> um, You're a Taurus, so, not a Gemini. <laughs> no, I am totally a Taurus. I mean, it's so funny because every time you kind of ask me this question, I can't help but think about my mother. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, but my mom used to like, my mom knows how to rest. Do you mm. hear me? Like, I remember my mom being like, I ain't doing nothing. I'm about to sit down. I ain't doing nothing. <laughs> and I used to, and, I, and I, I'm totally like that. Like, people think that I'm, people say, you're always busy. Mm. And I'm like, but I schedule my time to rest. Mm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you just don't know that I'm resting. I consider resting to be work. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. resting is for real. Like, you need to rest. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can't, you can't, I mean, you can, you can live without rest, but it's likely that your quality of life will dwindle. Mm. It's likely that your you might cut your lifetime shorter and of course there's no guarantee that you have any control over that to Mm -hmm. be perfectly honest but and so I think that's why there's been sort of this shift to like quality of life not quantity of life right Mm -hmm. um the whole idea of like you're gonna live forever no you actually don't really (laughs) ever know that no matter how well you take care of your body Mm -hmm. but yeah I think that the resting is where I mother myself I think my it's it's the moments when I get a chance to think about and to process how I'm taking care of myself, mm-hmm. and it's when I sit down and rest that I real I get the moment to realize that. And so sometimes I'm resting at my ancestral altar. Mm-hmm. Um, like some, you know, it feels like when you go to an altar, you're supposed to go there to get something, right? Like. Um, but sometimes I just be sitting with them like, and they, they might come up and be like, you know, there might be a message that comes up or whatever. Sometimes I go there intentionally for guidance. So I think Mm -hmm. I'm still in some way not mothering myself when I go to my ancestral altar. Mm -hmm. Um, but I am, I am mothering myself in the sense that I'm sitting down to take a moment to, and those moments are long. Like I know when I go sit there that it's very likely, like, I, I try not to sit, go sit there when I haven't, when I don't have any time. Because mm-hmm. I get so frustrated because once I'm there, it's like, oh, you're here. Mm. Oh, linger, you're on the porch, right? Like, you're on the porch. <laughs> so, like, you don't get up from the porch. You don't go to the porch and then leave. Like, you don't do that. <laughs> um, you know, when you go to the porch, you got to have some time to say hello. And if you ain't got no time, people going to make you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Say hello. They're going to ask you, how your mama doing? They're going to make you be trying to get away, right? Like, <laughs> that's that city life, right? You trying to get away from the conversation. But, you know, I grew up in the South. And, like, when somebody says hello to you and you don't stay mm. and you don't finish that, you know, how all y'all doing? How you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, what you up to? As soon as you, you as soon as you try to turn, they got another question, right? Like, <laughs> so you, you got to stay. So, yeah, my I think my spiritual altars and my are away and I think rest is a way mm-hmm. um I get to take care of myself when I rest I get to actually like process how I'm living every day and someone said you know I, I remember thinking about like um the question of well you know you got there didn't you like you got to the thing whatever the goal the objective or whatever mm-hmm. and I always say it matters how you got there mm. because that journey 
if that journey was traumatic, then you won't have to deal with that and undo it. Like you, right? You not you got wherever you going, mm-hmm. but you but trauma doesn't go away. So whatever mm. you ca- captured along the way, you gonna so if you can get somewhere and causing the least amount of harm to yourself as possible, mm. not discomfort. That's mm-hmm. different. But the least amount of harm, then you know you're you're really thinking about your quality of life. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Um, and I love that you brought up your ancestral altar. Do you ever feel as though you are being mothered by your ancestors? Oh yeah, for sure. Some ancestors, I some ancestors' energies come up, and I'm like, uh, uh-uh. uh. <laughs> I'm like I, you know I, you can't it's not like you can really turn an answer you know turn the spirit away uh-huh. like, you know what I'm saying like what it's theirs but I'd be like you can't stay here what you need like <laughs> let me get you let me get you you gotta get that message out you know not everybody coming the mother so that's one thing about spirits right like mm-hmm. not all not everybody is on your team mm-hmm. um some people are some people, some spirits are coming for um, things that they need, you know, and they can't offer you much, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and and then, you know, let me just reach out a little bit more and say there are spirits that are not human, mm-hmm. right? Like So there are, like, spirits that are not personified beings. Mm-hmm. And so that's a whole nother conversation. But in terms of my ancestors mothering me, mm-hmm. um yeah, I definitely think so. I definitely think that, I mean, my, my altar is full of women. Mm-hmm. Um, my ancestral altar is full of women. Some of that is because some of the men, you know, just are not present mm-hmm. um, and we're not present to be recognized mm-hmm. as people as a part of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there, you know, there's a, there's a definitely a, a leaning towards women. Um, it gives me a chance, like, from my, my, my great-grandmother, I spent some time with her. I was very lucky. Mm. I was able to spend some time with her. She, you know, I remember her. I remember walking into the place, of the apartment that she stayed in, and and she would say, Lil, Lila. <laughs> <laughs> she never could quite say my name right. But I remember her. I remember her, the softness of how she said it wrong being, like, really important. Mm. <laughs> like, so you never could really get mad. My name is Leela. You know, because it was, you know, she, she just, she said it with such care and tenderness. Mm. Mm-hmm. I remember a real tenderness about her voice. So when I'm at my altar, um, and her picture is there, mm-hmm. I really um, think that there's still lessons that I learned I'm learning from them when they were alive and Mm. little nuances and things that come up about who they are that, you know, I get more time to reflect upon there. I mean, I also feel like that messages come from them, you know, um, that I can sit there. And sometimes when I'm sitting there, like if I am sitting there for a particular type of guidance, Mm -hmm. um, I feel like a lot of times I'm leaning into how I knew them as as they lived first Mm -hmm. and some of them i don't i didn't know as they lived Mm -hmm. um but i'm trying to think is there anybody on the altar oh i didn't know my great great grandmother who's up there Mm -hmm. um and i feel a dis i feel sort of a disconnect from her like i feel the presence of her but Mm -hmm. i don't feel like we are communicating anything yet Mm. you know from the spiritual realm and i do think that sometimes 
sometimes the people that you're first you, you've been connected to in their life you can kind of find that link again mm-hmm. um but mm-hmm. yeah definitely i feel like i'm mothered i mean by my altars in general and when i sit there i can um yeah i can do a different type of listening mm-hmm. and things do do come mm-hmm. um that i that i need to help me through problems and i'm so glad i have that practice because what happens when people pa- like you know like when your mother passes i mean i know that no matter what you know it's gonna be something mm-hmm. I, it, it, even you know in some way it's gonna affect you mm-hmm. right um mm-hmm. whatever mother you have and um blood chosen all all these things mm-hmm. um but you know i don't know i kind of feel like if everything is in in if you leave everything to jesus and to god mm-hmm. right? like you don't you know, these, these were spirits. Everything has ashe. Everything has life force. Mm-hmm. So these are, um, this life force is a part of your learning. And mm-hmm. so when that life force is moving to another realm and then you kind of lose your connection, like if you have no ancestral practice that I imagine that must be super hard. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think it's a lot. The transition for me is a not, not that it's not going to be hard. I mean, it's still going to be hard because it's a different relationship. Mm-hmm. But um, I can't imagine to not have anything mm-hmm. like to, you know, like I know a lot of people grow into thinking about spirit a lot when, when people pass away because they just can't shake. They can't they, they they know the person is still around or their energy is still around. And mm-hmm. I don't know, you know how deep people go into that but i think that's sort of the practice Mm -hmm. to trust that there is that energy still exists Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah. so i think it's amazing as you said that you have memory of your great-grandmother and you had such you know a rich and have such a rich relationship with your grandmother and your mother what, you know, what do you think is your maternal legacy? What lessons or um, values have been, you know, passed through from your great-grandmother to your grandmother to your mother to you? What are you carrying forward? Mm. I mean, I think so much of them are a part of who I am. Mm. I mean, I'm definitely carrying forward that it's oh, it's okay if you're not okay. Mm. Like anxiety, depression, at very deep levels, are quite normal things to feel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and I think I'm very lucky. I'm super fortunate. That my grandmother talked about her anxiety and depression. Like, I I mean, I was a teenager when she started talking to me about that, maybe like 13. Mm -hmm. And I think it normalized it for me. Mm -hmm. You know, it didn't normalize um, being unhealthy. It actually Mm -hmm. normalized being healthy. Mm -hmm. And like when those moments happened, I reached out for help. Like when when I had anxiety, when I had, when I was depressed, I, mm-hmm. I mean, I 
Um, I mean, not that we're all self-diagnosing these days, which I don't know if that's great. But <laughs> at the time, we weren't all self-diagnosing. Mm-hmm. Um, this is probably the 90s, you know, and I was, and I, um, you know, I pretty much recognized that I was like in a deep depression um, at a certain time in my life and that I was going to have this I was going to have deal with anxiety throughout my life. It was going to be really bad at some moments and sort of mild at other moments and um, maybe kind of disappear a little while for some moments of my life and not be there. Mm -hmm. And so I think I felt real ready for that, like Mm -hmm. the okayness of not being okay. Mm. and um i i definitely feel like that will be a part of my legacy Mm -hmm. um for my kids i think they'll recognize take care of themselves i that's my hope Mm -hmm. when there is an emotional state beyond um your own ability to fix it Mm -hmm. right like and that you'll also you'll be able to reach out to help i guess that's another legacy Mm -hmm. that i want to um that it's okay that you never really are alone and you're never really doing it by yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you might imagine you are at some point mm-hmm. <laughs> that you're completely doing it by yourself, but that that's not real. Mm-hmm. And if you really take a deep look, you'll see the web of situations and people and experiences and support and from all girlfriends that you let go or boyfriends mm-hmm. that you like, right? Like, you know, you'll see, that along the way there were these folks there mm. that um, contributed to your life being your life. Mm. Um, I guess some other things that I would want, I mean, I think care is a huge one though. I mean, care and tenderness mm-hmm. and intimacy um, and the ability to have intimacy with multiple people, not just sexual intimacy, but um, really being able to be, to have deep, um, loving, caring relationships that are not always just sweet relationships. I mean, they tell you the truth too, mm-hmm. and they look at you for really who you are. And you look at them. I want, I want them to have that, mm-hmm. and I want to leave that as a legacy that no one person, no no partner can do everything mm-hmm. um, for your heart, or you can't do everything for their heart. It takes it takes a village of people, and again, even if you don't recognize it, that's what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Like you even with children like i feel like we do it so we do it weird here like Mm -hmm. you know we have to build these villages because a lot of us don't live around our families but lord knows you need one Mm -hmm. so it was never meant for two people like it just wasn't i don't believe that Mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't believe that parenting (laughs) mothering fathering any of that was meant for only two people Mm -hmm. i don't think that was ever the intention however this thing got created Mm -hmm. um so i want to i want that i want my legacy to be that, but I guess in the end, mostly I want it, I want them to know that I tried, I paid attention. I think we're back to the beginning. Like <laughs> I paid attention, I listened, yes. um, and I love them. I lo- I love them through their ideas. Um, I love them to courage. I love them to loving themselves. Mm-hmm. I love you know, like that's what I want them to remember and to feel like they have as a you know as you know I guess uh, mementos of me Mm -hmm. as a mother that's what I would want thank you for listening to this episode of our mother's gardens 
If you want to support the show, you can make a sustaining donation on Patreon by visiting our page, Our Mother's Gardens. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review. You can also find us on Instagram at Our Mother's Gardens PC. Our Mother's Gardens is a Honey Bunch of Stinkweed production. The podcast features music produced by Pata. 